All right. It's good to see everybody tonight. It's been a crazy day. Hey, Jody and Jody. So, we are going to be in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. I got a couple of words for you before we before we read those verses. I want to start by quoting uh, uh, Jesus' own words from Luke chapter 16, verse 13. And here Jesus tells us this. He says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. See, the reason this is such an important verse is because we live um, in a country that preaches its own gospel. You know, in America, as a quote-unquote Christian nation, has fed us all the Word of God through the American Dream translation, right? So growing up, or at least for myself, and I know many others, we, we kind of get this idea that we can be an American first and a Christian as well. That not only can you seek wealth and status and be Christian along the way, but that really it should be in that order. And when you decide to give, when you decide to give, it's okay because you're going to receive double whatever you send. So I've been told. But if you really want to be a good Christian, you can at least give 10%, right? Out of everything, you just give 10%, and God is going to make you rich. So it'll work out. But the Word of God paints a very, very different picture of what the Christian life looks like. In fact, in fact, the, um, the picture that the Word of God paints, to me, is in defiance, in exact opposition to the American dream. Okay? And so we'll see that here in just a moment. But Jesus basically says, you can either be loyal to your wealth, to your possessions in this world, or you can be loyal to him but you cannot be loyal to both. So the title of tonight's message is called The Sin of Tithing. Now, nobody get up and run out and call me a heretic just yet, okay? Read with me, if you will, Acts 4, verses 32 uh, through 37. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and neither anyone Oh, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that, the, that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one 
as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, look with me again at verses 32 and 33. And I want to dive in. We've been talking a lot about Christ fulfilling his promise and sending the Holy Spirit. We've talked about what it means to walk in the Spirit, to have Jesus as a living King, as a living God, right? To have the boldness to speak and the faith that God is going to follow behind you and even go ahead of you and work miracles, right? But now we're going to look a little bit more about living that life um, just as Christians, just in a general sense. So I want you to notice in verses 32 and 33, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. It says that they even looked at the things that they had, and they realized that they were not their own, but that they had common ownership. And it says in, at the end of verse 32 that great grace was upon Verse 33, that great grace was upon them all. So I want to look at the mindset of the early church here. Because it says that basically, in a nutshell, they gave everything. Right from the get-go. That they were giving everything. And that they did not consider anything that they owned to be theirs. And because of that, there was a mighty grace that was on them from the Lord. See, this is, a, this is something that I was thinking about. What does it take to, to live in a way where you really look at your life and say, nothing is mine. Nothing is mine. That's a hard thing to do. What kind of a heart do we have to have to be willing to give everything. And I think they just had such a deep revelation of who Christ was and how much that he loved them that it changed their reality. I think that they had come to such a revelation of what it means to be free, to be forgiven, and in Christ that their hearts just poured out for one another in a way they had never experienced. And I think today there's some people who need that revelation, but for a lot of us, I think it's just something we need to remember. The things that God has done in our life, where he's brought, for, uh, brought us from, what he's done for us, and what that means about the love he has for us, but also for everyone around us, right? We've got to learn not to hold back. I think uh, as I was considering this, Holding back in our faith is one of the main issues of sin in a Christian's life. Where are you going, man? You're going to go that way. Okay. Holding back in our faith is one of the main, the main areas of sin that we as Christians commit. I think we hold back from God, and we don't even realize it. And I think we hold back from others, 
and don't even realize it. But look in verse 32 where it says that they were of one heart and one soul. This is something that, that we're called to, to be joined together to one another in unity and in love. But the only way we can really do this, the only way we can really have that type of connection with each other is if we first have it with the Lord. Right? To every day, start our days and draw close to God. Because here's the thing. We cannot, just as I said, we cannot really draw together with each other outside of drawing close to God. We cannot say that we're one with, with the Father if we're not being unified with each other. Verses 34 and 35, he says, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed them to everyone as they had need. So, I want you to think about this for a second. Don't think that the apostles were getting rich from this either, by the way. This is not the, uh, the TV evangelist situation. You know, I don't think Peter and John were saying, if you give us your house today, God will give you a mansion tomorrow. But that they were simply taking what, what people had and giving it to those who had none. It was just a distribution in a sense. So, in an interesting way, we could say that this is a New Testament picture of tithing, right? So the, what the people had, they came and they gave to the apostles, and they simply distributed it out for the needs. We call that tithing, right? Sounds pretty good. So in a sense, it was. And so I think that giving is good. I think giving is biblical. So you might be saying to yourself, okay, Darren, well, if what they're doing is good and biblical, then how is tithing a sin? Right? I hope that would be the obvious question. Here's the thing. This entire book, from front to back, is about one person. One person. It's about Jesus Christ. And everything in this book is teaching us, first of all, how to know him, and secondly, how to look like him, how to walk in him, and how to live a life where others are drawn into the person of Christ, right? And even in this passage, I think we see Christ, because we use the term for church a lot, the body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ, but honestly, that that ends up being... um, jargon. It ends up being just church words. We hear it, we say, yeah, okay, we think church, and we move on. But I think it's more than that. I think that people should be able to look at the church, and they should be able to see the character of God. And I think that the character of God needs to be formed in us as believers. So when we see that it says that they were all of one heart and one soul, The first thing that I remember is Matthew 22, where Jesus teaches us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, and the idea is this. It's pretty simple. If if your neighbor's hungry, what should you do? 
Feed them. If your neighbor's without clothes, what should you do? Clothe them, right? If he lacks anything, provide it. If he, if he is in need of salvation, tell him of the forgiveness in Christ. And Jesus also tells us in Luke 10 that our neighbor is really anyone in need. And so I see the church portraying this in Acts. That they understood that nothing they had was theirs, but that everything in our lives is a gift from God. And that if we're really knit together in love, if we're really one body, then it's all a gift of God to serve each other with. And it says that really when that wasn't enough, when it wasn't enough just to give from their excess, that they even went into, I guess what we could call their savings accounts, to their properties, to their investments, and they sold everything they had. And they brought it and dropped it at the feet of the apostles so that it could be given to those in need. So the point I'm making is that they were walking in the image of Jesus Christ. You know, most people, uh, not most people, many people ask me, where in, the, uh, where in the New Testament does it say that we have to give a 10% tithe? Can anybody answer that? Yeah, I already see some hands going up. I see Pastor Mark shaking his head back there. Nowhere. Where does it say that we are to give a 10% tithe in the New Testament? The answer is nowhere. Right? But what the Word of God does call us to do is to live like Jesus. And I think there's a perception switch that we have to make in our head. That living like Jesus doesn't mean just being someone who gives. It means being someone who holds nothing back. Nothing back. It's easy to say Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus gave his life for his brethren. I think it's harder to say that in his entire walk here on the earth, he held nothing back. And that is the New, church, uh, the New Testament model for the church. Being believers who hold back nothing. So really, when I say that the title message is the sin of tithing, what I'm talking about is this. The sin of tithing is when we gripe and moan to give our 10% when Jesus has really called you to give everything. The sin of tithing is when we pass by a man hungry or without shoes and we don't provide for his needs because we might have to take the 20 out of our savings for a man who probably doesn't even have a checking account. The sin of tithing is telling God that 10% of our income is good enough when he gave you the broken body and the shed blood of his son. I wonder what, what would have happened if Jesus only gave 10%. What do you think? What if only 10% of the people that came to Jesus got healed? If he just lined them up and counted, healed, counted the next nine, sorry guys, next, healed, next nine, sorry guys, healed. What if when the 5,000 were, <laughs> and their wives and children, were in the field hungry, waiting to hear from Jesus, and he fed 500? Said, eh, sorry guys. Better, no better look next time. What if when Jesus was going to the cross, he said, okay, Lord, I'm, okay, Father, I'm here. But I'm only saving 10% of those 
The rest are going to have to figure it out. Jesus wasn't somebody who just gave. He gave everything. He gave his life. He didn't, hel- he didn't hold back anything. He was deprived of any type of luxury to love others. And so, to me, the sin of tithing is thinking that our 10% on a Sunday makes us exempt from caring for the orphans and from visiting widows. And this is not my, uh, my take on saying we need more in the offering. That's not, don't confuse what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to just simply change our perception. Because right now, I think in this, in the, even in this room, we have areas in our life, we have, there are people, and in, in ourselves included, where we're holding back from God. We're holding back our, our time, our resources. We're holding back our commitments, right? We sin and we fall short, and instead of running to, <laughs> to Jesus and saying, forgive me, and getting restoration, and repenting, and turning away, and letting him heal us, So many times we want to just kick it under the rug and say, well, I'll just do better next time. And we hold back from from the Father. We give God a Sunday or a Wednesday, maybe a little bit of prayer through the week, and we say, okay, that's it, God. God, good talking to you. See you next time. We feel him pull us to pray. We feel him pull us to read, to listen, to love, and yes, sometimes to give. And we just push that conviction down into a nice little box and say, well, maybe next time. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tonight. Maybe the next guy. The sin of tithing is holding back what God has given us as a blessing and really having the mindset that it belongs to us. So the truth is there is no 10% in the New Testament. There's only the call to lay down your life as Christ laid down his life for you. So I want to ask you something. It's kind of a the question that, that gets to the deeper issue. Because like I said at the beginning of the message, most of the time, I think us holding back from others is because we hold back from the Lord. And as we experience his love and his, his power in our lives, it's, it's natural for us to pour out to other people. So I want you to ask yourself tonight, what are you holding back from God? What are you holding back? For some of us, it's trust. There's jobs, opportunities relationships, goals, work, your time. Maybe it's your whole life. But there's something that you know in your spirit that God has been calling you to lay down, calling you to give, and you're holding back. So I want the Lord, the the Spirit of God just to reveal those things to your heart. And know that tonight is a night where we can lay it down and ask for God just to take those things. Because the idea that 10% is the 
of our income is the thing that makes us good in the church, I think is the mindset that that's enough. We've done our part. And that's not what Jesus has called us to. You know, I've talked about Isaiah 58 many times. I've, I think I've even preached on it here where God says, share your bread with the hungry. Clothe the clothless. Even take, even open up your home to those in need of a home. And then your righteousness will shine forth. I think uh, 10% is good. Don't, don't go around telling everybody that Darren said if you're, if you're tithing 10%, you're a sinner. That's not what I'm saying. But honestly, that's just the starting point. It's just a starting point. You know, one of the things that I've learned um, walking with Christ is th- there's freedom. How many of you have ever heard somebody say there's freedom in Christ? Anybody? Probably in like every youth group ever, every church ever, half the songs talking about waves or rain or something, right? What does that mean that there's freedom in Christ? Freedom How? From sin? Okay. From death? Yeah. What else? Everything. For me, freedom in Christ incorporates every part of who we are. It allows us to faithfully walk and fulfill every single command of his scriptures without fear. Without fear. It allows us to be a body, and when somebody is hurting, we relieve them. When somebody amongst us is in, is in financial need, we help them. When they're lacking, we provide. And we can do that. We can obey Christ in freedom. Not because if you give them 50, you'll get 100, no. But that you have the freedom to give and to be faithful to your brothers and sisters, knowing that God has promised to provide for your needs as well. He's promised it. So I don't know what it is that you have in your heart that maybe you've been holding back from the Lord. Maybe it's just the faithfulness to, to give as the opportunity has presented itself to you. Maybe you've seen those people and realized you could have given them a couple of dollars or some food. Maybe someone asked to borrow and you told them no. And you know you should have just helped in that time. Maybe you saw someone broken, you thought about praying with them, but you didn't want to be late to class, or some of you don't have class, I don't know, whatever you're late to. I think all of that falls under having things that we're holding back from the Lord. So I want to read you one, one verse out of 2 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And Paul tells us this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So while I make the joke of the, uh, the TV evangelist promise that if you sow, you'll receive double, spiritually that is, in some sense that is true, that as, as we freely give, so God freely gives to us. It might not always be in the, same, in the same way, but I'll tell you what, God gives peace. He gives joy. He gives purpose. He gives fulfillment. 
He gives a whole lot of things other than just finances, right? And the Lord has called us to bless others just as he wants to bless us. So let's, let's go to the Lord and let's just pray and ask for God to open up our hearts in compassion to provide for others, to see the opportunities we've missed. And if there's anything that you're, you've been holding back from God, let's lay that down tonight. Father God, I thank you so much for everybody here, Lord. I thank you that you yourself have called us into your kingdom. Lord Jesus, that you gave your own flesh and blood for the forgiveness of our sins, that you've called us into eternal glory. And Lord, everything we have here is temporal, Lord. Everything we have here is fading. But Father God, there are people who, who do have needs. And Lord, we, we pass by them every day. Rather, they're emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, Lord. And you've allowed us to be your servants in showing the love you have for them through our actions. So, Father God, I pray first and foremost that you'd give us compassionate hearts, that you'd give us eyes to see each other and the struggles that we go through, that we can be there as one body, but Lord, also others. And Father, if there's anything on, uh, any conviction on anyone's heart tonight, Lord, let them go home with a clear conscience before you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.